welcome to the latest Record Rangers podcast with me, Johnny McFarlane. I'm joined today by Scott McDermott, the Chief Sports Writer of the Sunday Mail. Welcome, Scott. Hi, Johnny. Well, <laughs> uh, I'm laughing because that was unbelievable start? last night. Where do you even start? Possibly the most manic and bonkers European tie I've ever witnessed in my puff, and I've seen a few crazy ones. Yeah, Scott, it was breathless. It was unremittingly, relentlessly entertaining. It was full of bad defending. It was full of incredible moments. It was had VAR issues. It had refereeing <laughs> mistakes. I mean, I, I saw Andy Newport, our pal, um, was on Twitter last night saying he never wanted to see the match report that he submitted <laughs> ever again. And I can completely uh, understand that because it was, it was just completely nuts, wasn't it? It was bonkers. I mean, absolutely brilliant to watch, but you're right, totally bonkers. Um... So much good attacking play, some poor defending, bad decisions, as you say, VAR, injury problems as well. It had just about just about everything. But no, what a resulting performance uh, by Rangers and it, it not effectively puts kinda of one foot in the one foot in the next round, I think, which is uh, brilliant for the club. Let's start with the good stuff, Scott, because there was so much to get our teeth into there. Some excellent performances. Now, I noticed on Twitter and from a few pundits, there was a bit of a consensus that Antwerp are no great shakes. But I think it needs to be put in a bit of context, Scott, that this is the second best team in Belgium. I mean, these are absolutely no mugs. We've just become so used to Rangers doing well in the Europa League to the point that we expect them to beat the second best team in Belgium. But... Listen, they're a decent side. They cause Rangers problems. I mean, you don't get past that Rangers defence three times without having a bit about you. Certainly, they were robust. They were physical. Do you think there's a danger that this sort of result is now starting to get overlooked a little bit just because of the sheer quality of Gerard's record at the helm in European games? Possibly. I think you're right. I mean, I do think you watch European games uh, now, especially away from home with Rangers, and you almost expect them to go and get to go and get a result and not no just get a decent result like an away goal or get a point or something you're actually expecting them just to go and, go and win they, they cause teams so many problems going forward you know, with the kind of pace and guile they've got with, with guys like Kent and, and Aribo and, and people like that um, and you're right I mean listen I, I didn't think in the 90 minutes Antwerp were that great last night I thought Rangers were by far the better team in the in the 90 minutes and, and thoroughly deserved to, to win but they are the second best team in Belgium. No, they're above the likes of Standard Liège and, and Anderlecht and people like that. No, they're only behind Bruges in the in the table. Um, no, they were missing a couple of players last night, so they might be even better at Ibrox next week. But you're right, last 32 of the Europa League, no, clearly there are no easy games. Look at some of the results last night that prove that. No, Leverkusen struggling at, at Young Boys. AC Milan only getting a, a point away to Red Star Belgrade. So it's tough to go and win away from home. So for Rangers to go there, you know, suffer a couple of injuries to, to key players in the first half, you know, recover from twice being being behind, um, to actually go and win it and score four goals away from home um, is incredible. And, and I actually thought, Johnny, I don't know if you'll agree, but that the first twenty minutes of the second half for Rangers, you know, from minute forty-five to sixty-five, I thought Rangers going forward were absolutely sensational. I mean, I'd go as far as saying this is good 
it's as good a performance, a kind of twenty-minute performance in game that I can remember for, for any Rangers team in Europe in, in a long time away from home. Um, I mean, I mean, Antwerp were literally couldn't get their own box for for twenty minutes. Rangers suffocated them. Their starting position was on the halfway line with, with Goldson. They penned them in. They could have scored a couple of goals. I thought for that twenty-minute period they were they were unbelievable. Um, and that was the kind of no, that was the kind of platform if you like to actually go and go and win it. Yeah, 100% agree with you, Scott. And I thought the catalyst for that was the introduction of Ryan Kent. Yeah. And listen, I know I know he was injured or he'd been carrying a knock. That I think he, Stephen Gerrard said he'd reported um, before the, the league game uh, and he'd been played in the league game. So he just wanted to to tread carefully with him. But I, I kind of thought the starting lineup looked to me like Gerrard was a little bit worried about the physicality of Antwerp because it was just about the most robust team he could have picked. You know, you had yeah. a Rebo in there. Um, Roof um, really and Highlander obviously selected yeah. ahead of Balogun so it really looked to me like he was wanting to match up almost with them but I kind of felt that a little bit like the game against uh, Celtic where they, they, they famously lost 2-0 at Ibrox and this is going back a little bit Rangers without Kent kind of lacked an outball in yeah. that first half the minute he came on his pace and directness and trickery it just added another dimension completely to Rangers, didn't it? And it just gave them that penetration in the final third that they were missing. Yeah, 100%. And I think the biggest compliment you can pay Ryan Kent is that you probably don't realise how important he is to Rangers until he's not there. And you you realise what he gives the team, you appreciate what he gives the team. I mean, listen, Kent's been been criticised. No, we've done it a few times as well in terms of his, in terms of his output and what he produces in terms of numbers and stuff. But there's now no getting away from the fact that in big games, you know, away from home in Europe, away to Celtic, away to Aberdeen, places like that, Ryan Kent normally produces a moment. And I think I think Alan McCoyster actually said it on TV last night, in terms of Kent's goal, which I think is just a stunning goal you know, at, any le- at any level of football. But Kent is the only player in that Rangers team, I think, capable of scoring. That type of goal. I mean, the only yeah. guy maybe I could see maybe like a Hadji coming up with something like it, but but in terms of that burst of pace and the touch and the movement and the faint, you no, know, before he gets the shot away early, that's what Ryan Kent can produce, and it's why Steven Gerrard, you no, know, persists with him even when he's maybe going through a kind of tough spell forum wise. I think I said last week that. The thing I like about Kent is even when he's not playing well, he still goes and goes and goes again. He goes and gets the ball. He's never scared to take it in tight positions. He goes at his man, even when he's finding it hard to get past him. And you're right, I thought last night when he came on, he made a huge difference. It showed exactly what he gives to this Rangers team. He comes up with an unbelievable goal. Um, and no, I think it was the I think it was the catalyst for that that second half performance, just giving Rangers that that outlet, that burst of pace, yeah, something totally different. Um, this, is why, this, is, outstanding. this is why Leeds United are interested in him, though, Scott. I mean, it's yeah. not the games against Hamilton where he's picking up the ball no. in, the, in the half space with, with, with eight or nine Three players in room. front of him. Yeah. Exa- exactly. Yeah. Ryan Kent is a player who thrives in space. We've seen yeah. that over and over again. Sometimes, as you say, we've criticised him. And actually, you know what? You need a reminder like this just to... to, to yeah nudge you in the direction of, listen, this is a guy who is perfect in a counter-attacking team. And yeah. he'll be a top, top player. I think he could go down to the Premiership 
and be a really the Premier League, sorry, and be a really really good player for someone like Leeds. Listen, if because in games like this, that's that's him showing that he can do that. Yeah, Johnny, that that goal last night. I know it's a bit, a bit of a cliche, but no, at this stage in the Europa League, if that's an Obama Yang at Arsenal or a Bruno Fernandez at Man U or a, a Bale or a Son or whatever for Spurs, no, we're raving about that goal. Absolutely rave, raving about it um, in terms of you know, how, how we can manufacture it and then coming up with that, that finish. So don't take anything away from me. You're totally right. This is the, no, that is the, the stage that, that Ryan Kent will be will ultimately be judged on and, and it is the one that, that teams down south or abroad will will look at and I think he's proved time and again you think the, the away game in Braga last year when he comes up with another no wonder wonder goal with, with a great strike on the counter attack these are the games that the that clubs are looking at and as I say I think he's proved now <clears throat> beyond doubt that he can he can do it at that level yeah, it, it, we cannot let this podcast go without talking about Alfredo Morelos because let's be honest, he was back to his bulldozer best. He absolutely bullied that three-man back line, kept them occupied throughout the game. This was Morelos back in the form of the start of last season, you know, when he was scoring yeah. all those goals. And while he didn't score last night, it was almost irrelevant because he was so involved in, in each of the, the goals in his own way. And he, he just terrorised them, absolutely terrorised them from beginning to end. I thought, Scott, even with how well Kent did when he came on, Alfredo Morelos was still man of the match. Johnny, I'm, I'm so glad you've said that because you know, we have had a go at Morelos, and I've certainly had a go at him uh, for his forum at times, and you know, we've talked a lot about what he can't do, but I honestly thought he was outstanding last night. I, I, I totally agree with you. Um, Certainly a contender for man of the match. I thought his link-up play, which I've been critical of in the past, was excellent. I thought he simplified things last night. You know, there was a lot more simple layoffs. See, even just with the Kent goal, the part he played in the Kent goal, just yeah. with that pass, that one-two, looks the most simple thing in the world. But honestly, if you can get your centre-forward to, to do that, get Morelos to do that, then you've, you've won a watch because... That's the type of thing I want to see from him all the time, bringing others into play, keeping things simple, get, making sure his touch is right, holding it up, getting, uh, bringing teammates into play, getting the team up the pitch. I thought he had a hand in the four goals last night, which is yep. incredible. No, he didn't score, but he had a major hand in every one of the goals. No, the two penalties, he obviously lays it off for Aribos first, and then the, the, the touch for Kent's goal. Um, it, as you say, he didn't score, but I thought it was one of Morelos's best performances in a, in a Rangers shot. And that's saying something, given some of the performances he had in Europe uh, last season. And I think that will be really encouraging, you know, getting into the, you know, the next leg and potentially next round, but also for the league games, you know, for this, this title running. Seeing Morelos in that type of forum, I mean, we all know about his misdemeanours and it's obviously cost Rangers in the last few weeks because he's not been available but if they can get him back between now and the end of the season in that type of form then they'll obviously go on and, and clinch this title but they could go you know, a step further in Europe a step further than they went last season in terms of maybe getting into the, the quarters or something like that Yeah we've done the good Scott let's do the bad before we get on to the ugly um, defending at the three goals First goal for me, I think the, the TV coverage uh, did a really good job of identifying who the culprit was in Borna Barisic. doesn't get 
close yeah. enough at all uh, to Avenatti, the big striker, who I thought, to be fair to him, it was an absolutely outstanding header. Terrific from 15 it, or 16 yards. It's an unbelievable header. But in terms of Barris, it's Johnny, you're right. I mean, first of all, he gives away a needless free kick just before half time that he got a booking for, uh, which was silly in the first place. Mm. But I think I think Barisic gets complacent with the with the free kick. Rangers you no know, deploy such a high line at these free kicks that you no know, the def- the defenders are so confident that even if they lose kind of first contact on the ball, the opposition team is not going to score from it. And I think Barisic lets Avenatti go in thinking, you no, know, it's fine if he gets his his head to this because he's not going to score. But you no, know, he doesn't bank on the the striker producing a incredible looking header that you know, gives McGregor absolutely no chance because it's kind of trajectory which starts above the above the crossbar but I, I thought Barisic got a bit lazy and a bit a bit complacent um, you know, getting away the free kick then losing his man at the goal but I suppose you need to give him credit for bouncing back later in the game, no stepping up you know, having you know, having a bit about him to step up and hit the two, two penalties so he certainly made amends yeah, I'm not going to talk about the, the penalty, Scott, for the second goal because that's going to fit into our the ugly section right. of this. So I'm going to go straight on to the third goal. For me, uh, I think it was uh, Rafelov. Who, I, I, don't, I can't pronounce that, the Israeli guy's name. Rafelov. Um, yeah. I think he, he took the ball and laid it off to Hongla, who, yeah. who hit the strike. And for me, it looked like it took a fairly significant deflection. I think off Connor Goldson, who was diving in. But I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it took a big deflection, Johnny. I think no. it hits. I think it hits an absolute peach. Yeah, a strike with a bit of a bit of curl on it. Uh, no, almost like no. We can almost give the goalkeeper the eyes we shape to go one. Mm, he, he, he hooks it across. It might have taken a slight. Again. Might have taken a slight deflection, but I don't think it was big. I, mean, I thought it was a brilliant. Again, a brilliant finish that Rangers wouldn't have been banking on. The defenders are probably saying, right, have a go. For the it's going to need to be something special to beat McGregor. But in terms of the build-up, Rangers were just too open again. You know, yeah. too, too much space between defence and midfield. I think it's a rebo again, that gets a wee bit lazy tracking back. He actually, if you watch it again, he looks at uh, Hongla and... No, decides it's fine. He's not going to. He's not going to score for there. He doesn't exactly bust his bust his backside to get back. So, I think Rangers will look at that. I think Gerard's already said they'll look at defending for all the goals. But again, I just think a wee bit of slackness crept in there. No taking chances that uh, no, they're not going to score. But again, at this level, with players of that calibre, they they can come up with, with finishes like that. I thought he was actually top class throughout the game, Hongla. Uh, really yeah. good engine on him. Got up and down the pitch and was a threat going forward. Um, the other player of theirs that I thought looked good was uh, the boy Buta in the right-back area, well, right-wing-back area, who in the first half was causing yeah. all sorts of problems. But you, listen, that's another thing to Steven Gerrard's credit, because first 30 minutes, he was top class. He was he was really, really getting in behind and and, and uh, picking yeah. up the ball in spaces in front of Barisic as well, where he was able to then put the ball in early and causing problems. But but they, they snuffed that out uh, yeah, very, they very quickly. I, th- I thought Rafailov, uh, you're right about the two boys you've mentioned, I still thought Rafailov, in terms of the positions he took up, was causing Rangers the most problems. Uh, you know what, Scott, you reminded me a little bit of Carlos Peña on that. Are you, uh, you're kidding me on. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, no, he, did, he picked up some, and to be honest, everything I'd read about Antwerp, and the, the people I'd spoken to in, in Belgium, um, 
I spoke to like you know David Bates and uh, big Frederick Franz that the last couple of weeks, and they'd all picked him out. No, as being as being the guy uh, that Rangers would have to watch, he was he was always going to be the guy to play off the front and and try and create for them. And to be fair, he did that last night. He did he did look a threat. Rangers did struggle at times just to um, to pick him up and prevent him from creating chances. So I, I still thought he was the he was the kind of main man for them. Um, but they've obviously got one or two coming back coming back next week. Uh, as I said earlier, I, th- I think they'll. They'll potentially personnel wise they'll be they'll be stronger next week. Um but I would still expect Rangers to Rangers to, to go through. Rafailov, it's not that hard. I can write no, it but I can't see it. But but somehow <laughs> you've you have you have set me on the right path, so that's good. Um, he's never he's, he's Israeli, Johnny, isn't he? I mean, yeah, I he's thirty four. I was gonna say we've had so many games against Israel that I mean I don't remember his name ever ever no. coming up before in terms of like, Scotland Israel games. Um but he certainly looked a, no, he certainly looked a very good player. And again, if you speak to people in Belgium, he is the guy that that they pick out. I think I'm right in saying he won the the player of the year in Belgium last yes. season. So yes, he he's a very very good player. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think uh, Israel have quite a lot of good players middle to front. Um, yeah. you, who was the boy? Is it? Zah- is it? I can't Zahavi. remember. He's a Harvey. Who's, who's yeah, excellent? He's, who's sort of he's number ten? Two, he's, he scored two for PSV last night. Um, yeah. Dabur, who plays up front for Israel, he scored oh, a couple last night as well for Hoffenheim. He's very good. Yeah. Um, so no, you're right. Maybe he's, he's just struggled to get into the, the Israeli team, but um, no, I thought he was. I thought he was clever last night. Right. Let's get on to the ugly Scott because I thought uh, we were watching in Georgi Kabakov's performance one of the most dreadful. <laughs> episodes of refereeing I have ever seen. Now, anyone who thinks Scottish refereeing is bad should watch this as a sort of case study in how not to manage a game. Now, I've got a list of of incidents here, Scott. I'm just going to go through them. So there was a handball, I thought, a clear penalty um, when I think it was Barisic tried to cross the ball uh, and it came off one of uh, the... I think it was uh, uh, Delette's hands. Was it no tavern near cross and Goldson at the back post and it comes off the boy's hand? Yes, yes, yes. Um, And for me, I thought that was a penalty. Then you've got the the penalty incident itself, which is extremely soft. And for me, the referee has to go and check that on VAR, which he doesn't. Um, There was two quite bad fouls by um, Antwerp players. And those resulted in no bookings. Barisic's booking, I thought, was pretty soft. Yeah. Uh, there's question marks, I think, about um, even several other incidents throughout the game in terms of what he was um, blowing the whistle for. Uh, just dreadful, Scott. Yeah, it just, it just looked like a poor ref, Johnny. You can just tell sometimes with refs pretty early in the game. It was a bad foul on Tavernier uh, really early on that, that definitely merited a yellow card. He, he lets that go, and then like 10 minutes later, he books Barisic for virtually nothing. Uh, I think Arfield got booked, which was soft as well. There was another couple mm. of challenges. It just looked as if he'd lost a wee bit of control, and certainly in the second half, he just seemed determined to get the cards out and send somebody off and you know, give penalties. Um, I'm going to be slightly controversial in terms of my opinion on the the Davis foul, the, the, the penalty that they got. Mm. Now, I totally understand why it shouldn't be a penalty, right? It's so soft. 
no, Rafailov goes down so easy um, in the box and the slightest touch, and he's and he's gone. So I get that, and I get why Rangers would feel aggrieved and supporters are, are angry that that was that was given. But all I would say is, Johnny, I knew as soon as I seen the replay, I knew it was going to be a penalty and it wouldn't be overturned because the minute Davis can has that we can nibble at Rafailov and can touches the back of his ankle. You just know refs or VAR officials or whatever's going to look at that and think, there's the foul. It, no, in, this, in this day and age, no, it's terrible, but in this day and age, we know the slightest touch, you're allowed to go down and you'll get the you'll get the penalty. Honestly, I was utterly convinced, and I think Davis knew as well. Davis moaned about it because he knew it was soft, but he also knew that he had connected with the back of the boy's ankle or the back of, uh, on his heel. And he knew that the ref was going to give it. There was no way that was going to be overturned. So I just think Rangers are right to moan about it and right to feel aggrieved. But honestly, you make the slightest contact now, and it was no, it was a, it was a bit unnecessary for Davis even just to have that wee nibble. I think yeah. if he just stands and doesn't make any contact, no, he doesn't get a foul away. But I, I'm not saying the ref got it right. But I was utterly convinced as soon as I seen the replay, and and you're saying about the ref going to look at the monitor. I think if he goes and looks at the monitor, he still gives the penalty because yeah. he sees the he sees the connection on the back of the boys. You, back of the boys. You know leg. what? I was speaking to a friend about it who's um, be, who's a big fan of Italian football, so has has been all over VAR because they've obviously had it now for a couple of seasons, and he said, look, they, they couldn't even overturn that if they did feel it was really soft and wasn't exactly. enough to go down, because it's not a clear and obvious no. mistake. No. So it, it, because there's that contact, it means that they, they, they're never going to um, go back and, and, and review no. it. But it just, for me, it felt like it looked to me as if there wasn't enough contact for him to go down in that situation. In no, of course. And he goes down theatrically. Yeah. I mean, it was, no, the, the touch is so slight. But as yeah. soon as, as soon as Rafael feels that touch, He's going down a hundred percent, and he knows he knows he's going to get it because Davis has had that wee had that wee nibble. Um, so uh, to be honest, I mean, I didn't have no. I, I knew that Rangers would feel really aggrieved about it, um, but I think if the more you look back at it and you see that wee touch on the back his the back his ankle, it, you're right. It was never going to be overturned in a, in a million years, even with the air. Yeah, and I take it you agreed with both Rangers' penalties. To me, they, they were pretty, fairly straightforward. Oh, the, the first one, 100%. And you could have, I know it's, it would seem harsh, but you could have argued for a red card for Dillat mm. um, in terms of Morelos's one. I mean, you look back just at the weekend, I know I'm going domestic here, but Stephen O'Donnell's red card for Motherwell against Hamilton is virtually the exact same. No, the Hamilton boys got a free head on the box and O'Donnell pulls him back and he gets a straight red because it's this new thing where, you no, know, if you if you don't make any attempt to, to play the ball, you no, know, if you don't make a legitimate uh, challenge and it's a goal scoring opportunity, then you then you go off, which obviously seems seems quite harsh. But so you could have argued for that, but that's a hundred percent a penalty. The the last one, you no, know, if you're in the Antwerp side, you, you might feel slightly aggrieved. I mean, I don't think there's a lot the boy can do it to get his arm out of the way. I think it takes a, takes a touch, takes a touch on his chest before it hits his hand, and I think the new rule state hits another part of the body before that before the hand. Then you'll normally get away with it. So 
no, Rangers were maybe slightly fortunate to get that, but there's no doubt it's a handball. Um, and certainly on first, first, eh, not on first view, but as soon as you seen the, as soon as you seen the replay, you felt again. No, that's not going to be overturned. He's going to, he's going to get the penalty. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the big issues that's that's come out of this game, Scott, that we, I think we need to touch on, uh, is obviously the, the fact that there's been a couple injuries. Yeah. Pretty serious injuries to, in terms of their effect on Rangers, if the players are going to be out for for a, for a reasonable amount of time, because it's two two kind of key players. Um, yeah. First of all, Kamar Roof, um, a reoccurrence of his calf injury. I think Gerard was saying uh, today in his presser that he was expecting it to be sort of two to three weeks um, uh, without having a full diagnosis in place, but it's, it's definitely the, the calf. Um, whereas Tavernier, he's he's, he's saying that. No doctor would be able to know with his hands exactly what's wrong with Tavernier at the moment. You know, it's going to need to be yeah. a scan job. But once they find out what the situation is, you know, they'll, they'll have a better idea of what they're going to have to do. Will they have to go into the transfer market, pick up a free uh, who's who can play it right back? Um, because he's saying basically it could be days, it could be weeks. We we, we just don't know. Yeah. Um. But but listen, uh, Gerard was also saying roof. That's not a problem. We've got Greg Stewart. We've got Scott Wright, who's looking bang at it in training. We've got Morelos. We've got Defoe. We've got Itton. And and, yeah. and listen, we totally agree with that. The problem is James Tavernier with the fact that Nathan Patterson is, is going to be unavailable. He's going to get hit with a huge ban. Um, that, that's before you talk about the fact that he's uh, self-isolated just now and is completely yeah. unavailable anyway. Um so Rangers have now got two right backs or two players who can play at right back. Leon Balogun, who I thought did a really good job last night. Uh, we know he's got pace. We know he's mobile for a big man, but it's a big ask asking a, a guy who's an actual centre half to, to step into James Tavernier's yeah. shoes. And uh, Ryan Jack, who I think would be better in the middle of the pitch. So it's it's an interesting one, isn't it, how you approach that? Yeah, it's, it's no huge blows to Rangers at this stage in the season. Um you're saying two or three weeks for Roof. I'd be amazed if it's no longer than that. Um, Roof looked distraught last night as he walked off, looked close to tears actually as he went off the pitch. He knows by the looks of it that no, it's a recurrence of the same injury. He's had calf issues in the past. I think Gerard said last night if it is the calf again, they're going to need to maybe look a bit deeper into it. And it's a worry because that, that no, that was the the kind of criticism, if you like, of Roof before he arrived, that he maybe picked up too many of these types of injuries. Um, and it's happened again uh, this season for him, which is a shame because he is a top player. And I think in Rangers' strongest lineup, Steven Gerrard would have Kmar Roof in it if he's at 100%. So I think he'll be out for, no, saying two to three weeks, I think it would be four to six weeks minimum if they're going to try and get to the bottom of it. Um, in terms of Tavernier, again, I'd be really surprised if it isn't kind of medial ligament damage to his knee, the way he goes in, you know, the way his knee's opened up like that. I've done it myself, uh, playing football when you go in at that angle. Um I think it's going to be a major, major problem. And no, without wanting to wish it on anybody, I'd, I'd be surprised if you see Tavernier again in a Rangers shirt this season. Um, if my kind of worst fears are confirmed by these scan results, and it does give Rangers a problem. I mean, a penny for Nathan Parsons' thoughts. Now, you know, watching that last night, what an opportunity for the young guy 
Um, it would have been you not know, to step into Tavernier's shoes for a title run in you know, a potential Europa League last 16. I've no doubt Gerard would have had faith in him and would have played him because he stuck to his guns all season and said that would be the case. So what an opportunity missed um, for, a, for a young kid. But in terms of what Rangers do, you're right, I, mean, I think Balligan and Jack are the two options. I mean, it's interesting. Whenever Stephen Gerrard's been asked about Ryan Jack as a right-back no, connected to Scotland, he's almost kind of dismissed it as if to say... It's almost like an insult to ask Jack to go and play right back because he's no, he's not a right back. He's a he's a central midfielder. So I don't think he, he's keen to play him there. But no needs must, and in certain games between now and the end of the season, he might have to play him there. I mean, Rangers are obviously pretty well off in midfield, with, especially with Arfield coming back. But I mean, Balligan did do a good job last night. He's strong. He's athletic. He's quick. He can play. I mean, he's not got the, the, the technique of a of a tavernier, but I think in the short term, you no know, Balligan will be the uh, will be the solution. Uh, I'd certainly expect him to play there on, on Sunday against Dundee United just just to carry on for for last night. Um, but you're right; it would be a real shame if Tavernier's now going to miss the end of the season, and an even bigger shame that that Patterson's not going to be not going to be available. And it. it, it We'll give Gerard a, a headache because as much as we're saying Balligan can do a job, it's no ideal to be going into you know, a couple of firm games left. There's obviously could be another couple of games in Europe. You would want to get in with your strongest possible team and obviously your captain. So Tavernier will be, a, will be a huge miss for them. Yeah, absolutely. He's just such an integral part of the team, isn't he? I suppose the good news for Rangers, if he is out for a, a substantial period, is they the, the, through their hard work in the league, they've built up a really, really solid base. That means, yeah. let's be honest, they, they should take care of the league title, no problem at all. I don't think yeah. anyone would expect any problems there. But I think where it would be a, a more of an issue, Scott, is in, in European competition where Tavernier just gives you so much um, in terms of that attacking threat. Yeah. Um, now, maybe, maybe if they go into the next round, you know, you're up against an Arsenal or whatever, and was, actually, maybe having a more defensive player gives you just, a benefit. That's what, that's what I was about to say, Johnny. I've took the words out of my mouth. I mean, if they can get through this tie, which I expect them to, and then you're, you're in the last 16 and you look at some of the teams that are left, no, it would, no, it would as much as I've said Gerald's shown faith in Patterson, it would be a big ask. We ask a young guy, especially because he's so attack-minded, Patterson, to mm. go into an away European game, you're right against an AC Milan or an Arsenal or a, a Man United or whatever. I mean, maybe in a situation like that, you would be looking at a Balligan or, or, or whoever again and you know, make you a bit stronger at the back, a bit more solid. So it might not be as big a blow in that sense. But you're right, Tavernier, in terms of the way he plays, he's, you know, he's so integral to this Rangers system, you know, the style they play. Obviously, a threat he poses going forward with, with goals and assists. So there's no doubt it'll be a it'll be a big miss. Listen, it's kind of old news, but we should probably touch on it because it's our fir- first podcast since um, it happened. W- what was your take on the the sort of COVID five? For, for me, Scott, I have a bit of sympathy in some ways for the young lads because I, I think back, and maybe this is me being a big softy, but I think back to when I was. 18, 19, 20 myself and how much of a donut I was um, <laughs> that that you sort of you think well you know they're young lads and, and as long as they're really really bad heavily punished 
you know, maybe they can come back to it. But Scott, I don't feel that same sense of uh, concern or sympathy for someone the age of Bongani Zungu, who's a 28-year-old professional yeah. footballer who's got swathes of international experience. I mean, utterly preposterous. What was he doing out with, you know, a bunch of lads nearly 10 years as junior yeah. uh, at, at a party that he knows is in breach of the rules? He can't say he doesn't know the rules because he had to stick to them when he arrived in the country. Yeah. So for me, that that really does put the final nail in the coffin of his Rangers career. I can't imagine now that he's going to be kept on. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I don't think you'll see Zungu again in a Rangers jersey. Um, no, the club obviously is an option to buy, but I'd be amazed now. I mean, his performances, I don't think... I know he's not a great deal of opportunities, but I don't think his performances have been good enough anyway. However, this just about puts the, the, nail in the, the final nail in the coffin in terms of him having a future. At Rangers, um, in terms of the situation itself, you've kind of summed it up. I mean, just crazy. Of course, you sympathise with young people, um, young athletes, no, no being able to go out. But, Johnny, we're all in the same boat. Yeah. No, every, every profession, I mean, it's not as if it's just it's just them. Um, I know, listen, young players can get drawn into things, a bit naive, kind of peer pressure, you know, if there's a get-together, no. You know, you need to be quite strong to actually stand up and say, no, no, I'm no, I'm no coming, I'm no going. I get all that, um, but the world we're living in just now and the kind of standards that you know, the manager expects. And also, you know, these young players, they must have looked at you know, George Edmondson and Jordan Jones you know, and their kind of misdemeanour and, and looked at what's happened to them since. You know, having kicked a ball for Rangers, then being sent out and loan elsewhere. I mean, if that didn't put the fear fear of God into you, I don't know I don't know what would. So for Patterson and Bassies, because uh, let's be honest, they're they're the main two. I mean, Zungu won't be there next season. The other two young lads, Kinnear and Mabudi, I think will also be away. That was expected anyway. But mm-hmm. Patterson, uh, Patterson and, and Bassie are the, the two. They they're in and among the first team squad. They're seen as the backups to Tavernier and Barisic. You know, Gerard has talked both of them up. Two of them have got good contracts, you no know, long contracts. Rangers see them as you know, big parts of the future. So for them to you know, get caught up in this uh, just seems crazy. I, I would expect both of them to come back from it. I think they'll get they will be heavily punished. Um you might not see them until very late in this season, depending on what type of kind of suspension they get. But I suppose in the cold light of day, they are valuable assets to Rangers. They are young players with big futures, so they're just going to need to take their medicine from now, let, uh, learn from it, and try and come back stronger and come back and try and get in the manager's good books pretty quickly. Listen, crystal ball time, Scott, because we know anything that can go wrong will go wrong in football. Borna Barisic, now the only left-back that Rangers have... We've seen Tavernier pick up an injury and that caused problems given Patterson's not available. Yeah. What, what are the options if, if Barisic does pick up an injury? I think you'd probably be looking at Jack Simpson now, wouldn't you? I mean, he's, mm. he's, le- he's a left-sided centre-back. Um, in a similar way to Balligan stepping across last night, you would you would think that Simpson would be the, the next option. Um I mean, in terms of young players, I suppose the next left-back is, is the boy James Maxwell at, at Queen of the South. 
I don't know the details of his loan deal, whether there's a recall option, uh, whether Rangers could do that. I think it happened to, to Barisic. I mean, at least Maxwell's been playing games in the championships and by all accounts doing doing pretty well. But again, you know, to call a young kid back and then ask him to get into all firm games and uh, you know, big European away games at this stage of the competition, that, that would be a big, a big ask. So, listen, Gerard will be praying that Barisic stays fit between now and the end of the, the season. But in terms of immediate options, where anything to happen to him, I think Simpson would need to come into his thinking being, being left-sided. Yeah. OK, Scott, we're going to wrap this podcast up. Um, hopefully I've gone throughout the entire show without calling Antwerp Anderlecht. <laughs> now, the listeners hopefully won't have noticed this predilection that I have because <laughs> we'll have picked all these mistakes up in, in the edit. But... Just so that they know, Scott has been exasperated with this issue that I have. It's come from nowhere. I can only attribute it to the fact I'm, I know I can only attribute it to the fact that I was up late last night covering the game, and I'm quite tired this morning. But if if any have slipped through the net, total hands up. I'm a fool. <laughs> Apologise. No idea why it's happened. Um, but well, listen. Hopefully, this just comes as a sort of jarring shock to you, and you're wondering what the hell I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> That's going to be all from us. We will be back uh, next week, probably Tuesday next week, to give you an update on all things Rangers. If you like the podcast, please go on iTunes, give us a five-star review, as this helps us get it to as many listeners as possible. Of course, if you want to continue the debate, you can on Twitter. I'm at Johnny R. McFarlane, and Scott is at Scott McDermott 8. Until next time, thanks for listening. 